It is Anchi Min who said, if you can't go back to the womb, you had better become a good fighter. Ever since we entered the world, you and I, we entered what I call a fight club. This is why in your life you face difficulties and you face challenges. And I know that some of you are fighting fights right now. You're fighting fights at home. You're fighting fights at work. Some of you are fighting fights with your health. You're fighting fights with your kids. You're fighting fights with your friends. It seems that you can't get a break. The reality is, according to the words of Job, he said, man that is born of a woman is of a few days and full of trouble. If you know anything about the life of Job, is that Job fought for his life, literally for his life. He lost it all. Everything that he had went down the drain. He lost his sons. He lost his daughters. He lost his wealth. But yet Job would say and tell us this morning, you have to keep on fighting. That is your life. Even Gandhi, the uh, proponent of nonviolent protest, said, if there is a choice between cowardice and violence, he says, I would advise violence. Because Gandhi understood that there are fights that you cannot back down from. There are fights that you might need to get a little aggressive in. There are fights that you will need to show what you are made of because if you turn away from those fights and, and, and go on the journey or on the road of cowardice or, or, or being a coward, you end up being a coward for the rest of your life. But as sometimes, sometimes you have to learn, uh, you, I mean, sometimes you have to learn to simply say, you know what, I'm going to fight no matter what's going to happen because you believe that the fight is that important. I love what Ed Parker said. He said, if you hesitate, you will meditate in a horizontal position. What he's saying is that if we're to be a good fighter, we need to learn to hit at the right moment. We need to learn how to uh, strike the deal at the right moment. We need to learn how to apply for that promotion at the right moment. We need to know how to talk at the right moment. We need to know how to buy at the right moment. Because when we miss the moment when we hesitate from the moment we are going to meditate on the horizontal position of regret and sadness and we are going to be like man i should have done it and lord knows that i'm speaking to brothers and sisters in the name of jesus who are wondering and thinking had i only said it Maybe I'll be here. Had I only given the application, maybe I'll be here. Had I only done this and that, I would have gotten here. And so I want to suggest and challenge you that in this moment, we need to learn not to hesitate so that we don't meditate on a horizontal position. Uh, boxer Joe Lewis, with a touch of humor, said that uh, many people have a plan until they've been hit. You know how it is. You're prepared for your presentation at work. And you've gone through it in your head and in your mind. And you know how you're going to touch point A, point B, and point C. But when you stand up in front of people to speak, you can't remember your thoughts. When you stand up to, to speak to the people, the ideas that were so sweet in your head and in your mind, they sound bitter because they are not able to come out of your mouth. 
Sometimes you plan big and you think big. But when it's time to act big, you can't act big because you do not know how to meet the uh, situation. You, do, you didn't prepare for the situations that will come. And, and therefore, when you are hit by the unprepared situation, uh, you don't know what to do. I remember when I, I started to train and to play basketball, uh, my coach gave me the best advice that I can give to you right now. He told me when you train, when you're doing dribbles on the basketball court, when you're practicing your defensive slide, when you're working on your layup, when you're working on your shot, when you're doing anything in basketball at the practice of, uh, on the practice court, Make sure that you emulate the game situation. We haven't learned, some of us, to emulate the game situation. And therefore, because we haven't emulated the game situation, all the moves we've been practicing on the court, all the moves we've been practicing on how to shoot, they do not translate into the game of life because life is not a practice. <laughs> life is life. And so my coach told me, you have to practice like how you go and play. And so my brother and sister, I'm here to tell you that when you're about to fight, make sure that your preparation for the fight meets the demands of the fight. I love what uh, one of the ghosts of um, boxing said. You know his name, uh, Muhammad Ali. This is what he said. The fight is won or lost far away from witnesses. It is, it is, it is won or lost uh, behind the lines. It is won or lost in the gym. It is won and lost out there on the road. And he added this long before I dance under those lights. And so I'm here to tell you that we need to learn how to win the fight before we fight. We need to learn how to uh, manage the battle before the battle comes. You have to figure out what are the strategies you're going to use uh, when you meet this challenge. Perhaps you, you, you don't know uh, that the business plan may, not, may, may have this challenge. You have to think about that and see how you're going to go about it. And so here this morning, I'm here to premiere a new series and I'm calling it Fight Club. This series is going to run for about eight episodes, and I want to specifically look at the idea of how we can fight with the right attitude, the right fortitude, the right magnitude, and the right aptitude. You see, we are going to be fighting fights, many fights, in different kind of places. But if you can jump with me into what I call the fight club of God, you're going to see things change in your life. And so this morning, join with me and, and let us read 1 Kings chapter 20 and verses number 19. Our text of concentration and meditation and reflection this morning re involves a king who is put in a battle that he didn't ask for. It's as if somebody instigated the fight, but he had to fight. And sometimes it is like that. You didn't start the argument, but you got to argue. <laughs> you know what I mean? You didn't start the problem, but you got to deal with it. And th that's what we're dealing with here in 1 Kings chapter 20. And I want to read verses 19 uh, to 23. Once again, I want to welcome you to our new series, which is called Fight Club. Fight Club. The text says, and I read from verse number 19. So these went out of the city. 
the servants of the governors of the districts and the army that followed them. Verse 20 says, and each one struck down his man. The Syrians fled and Israel pursued them. But, check this, Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, escaped on a horse with horsemen. Verse number 21 says, and the king of Israel went out. And he struck the horses and the chariots and struck the Syrians with a great blow. <laughs> with a great blow. I love that. Then the prophet came near to him, to the king of Israel, and said to him, listen to what the prophet said to the king of Israel. Come, strengthen yourself. And consider well what you have to do, for in the spring, the king of Syria will come up and fight against you. Sometimes when you have won a, a battle, don't get comfortable. There's another battle to fight. And in verse 23, which is the key verse for our sermon this morning, says, And the servants of the king of Syria came to him, came and said to him, their gods are, are the gods of the hills. So they were stronger than we. Now let us fight them in the plain. And surely we will be stronger than them. I have chained the text to the title, God Fights Anywhere. Could you do me a favor? Could you just say the title out? God Fights Anywhere. Anywhere. Can you just repeat after me? God fights anywhere. Those of you in the room, join me. God fights anywhere. I believe, I can't see you, but I believe that you have done it because we walk by faith. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, I want to thank you because of this moment to be able to talk about this concept of fight club. I'm here, Lord, um, pleading for you to take over this moment. Father, I want you to take over. I mean, take over everything. And I pray, Lord, that you take over the lives and the hearts and the minds of my brothers and sisters listening to me anywhere they are. May you arrest our attention this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. The horses galloped and the chariots churned to the hills of Samaria. Uh, the king, Ben-Hadad, assembled a coalition of 32 kings. He came because Ahab had closed the shops that he was running in Samaria. Years before, the father of Ben-Hadad and the father of Ahab, Amri, the king, had made a business arrangement. And Omri allowed Ben-Hadad's father to operate a business in Samaria. But after some time and reflecting on this situation, Ahab thought, this business is not getting me any profit. And he decided to close the business. Ben-Hadad was upset by this situation because it choked his cash flow. 
He realized that this business opportunity was that good because in Samaria converged important trade routes. And by Ahab's decision to choke his business, it left him limping and having a difficult time. And so what he decided to do, he said, you know what, after all, Ahab is much weaker than I am. I am the vassal. I mean, I'm the suzerain. I am superior. He is a vassal. He is subordinate to me. Therefore, instead of me reopening my shops, let me go in and take over the whole city. Now, if Ahab will agree to my terms, Ben-Hadad was thinking, I will just take what I want and I'll leave him be. But if he tries to fight me, we're going to have a problem. <laughs> so... Ben-Hadad comes to Samaria and he is camped within that valley because Samaria was elevated and situated and, and seated on a mountain. And, and so he has encamped his 32 king coalition and he says to his messenger, he says, hey, come here. I want you to go to Ahab and tell him what I demand. I am demanding his gold. I am demanding his silver. I am demanding his best wives. And I'm demanding his best kids. So the messengers went and dispatched this message to Ahab. And they told Ahab, Ahab, we are here sent by King Ben-Hadad from Syria. And he has told us to tell you that he wants your gold, he wants your silver, he wants your wives, and he wants your kids. So Ahab heard this demand and he responded to the messengers of the king and he says, tell the king whatever he wants, whatever he has demanded of me, I'm going to give it. Tell my Lord and my king that I'm going to give him what he's asking of me. And so the messengers went back to Ben-Hadad and they told the king, King, we are back. We have discussed with Ahab and Ahab has assented to your demands. He is willing to give you everything that you are asking for. And the king said, for real? <laughs> For real, king. I mean, after all, he can see these 32, uh, 32 king coalition. He understands that he is not in a position to negotiate anything. We are in the position of strength. He's in a position of weakness, so he cannot negotiate with us. Ben Hadad says, mm, is that so? Well, I want to take that sucker for everything that he has gotten. I want you to go back to him and tell him that we want to search his palace. We want to search the houses of his servants. And we want to search the whole city. Whatever we like, whatever we want, we are going to take it. That's the message I want you to tell him. And so the messengers of Ben-Hadad uh, hiked again upon that mountain going to the city of Samaria and there they got back into the city of Samaria and they spoke with King Ahab. King we have come back. And you know when you give somebody permission or when you give somebody an inch they, they might be interested in taking something much much bigger. So they come and they say King Ben-Hadad thinks that uh, he wants something a little more. 
He wants to go into your home, your palace. He wants to enter your bedroom. He wants to enter your closet. And he wants to see what kind of robes you've got. And after that, he wants to go into your kids' rooms. He wants to go into your kitchen. He wants to go into your treasure house. And he wants to see what he can take from you. And after we finish with your palace, we are going to go into the houses of your top officials first. After your top officials, we'll go to the sub-officials. Then we're going to look at the house of every citizen in Samaria. And after that, we want to look at the walls of Samaria. We want to look at anything that is good. If we like it, we're going to take it. That's our demand, King. And we are coming back next, um, we're coming back tomorrow to do this. You see, Ahab was willing to give in to the first demand. But in this second demand, where the king Ben Haddad is asking to pillage his house, his palace, the houses of his servants and the houses of the citizens of Samaria and the city of Samaria. He said, hold up, this is a little too much. So he convened his best and most trusted advisors and he says to them, listen, I need to report something to you. Yesterday, the messengers of Ben-Hadad came to me requesting to take everything from my house. I mean, to take my gold, my silver, my wives, my kids. And I said, yes. But you know, I'm not one man in Samaria. I have laws, I have you, and I have citizens to look after. And I, I need your advice on this. Because of this, this, this is seeking trouble with me. He doesn't call him a man. He says this, this is seeking trouble with me. So what do you say? Now, now I want you to understand, fellas, we are not as strong as them. They have 32 kings against us they are much stronger and bigger than us now let, let's be honest about that we are in a position of weakness but but what do you think should we fight or should we give in and i should be honest i'm inclined to fight because it is better to die with honor than dishonor it is better to die in dignity than in humility humiliation and so the trusted advisors of Ahab told him, do not listen and do not consent. We are with you 100%. It is good when people are behind you. Hallelujah, somebody. They tell him, we are with you. And so Ahab delivered the message to the messengers of Ben-Hadad. He tells them, look, the first demand of my lord, the king Ben-Hadad, I can do. I am willing to do. But the second demand, I can't do. Ahab, listen to me carefully, put his foot down. Ahab resolved to fight a fight that mattered. He understood that if I allow this demand to go on and unchallenged, I am going to lose a lot more than just allowing somebody to come into my house. I mean, think about it. I mean, just allow these guys to go in your house and check things out and look and look and look. It, it'll be all right, king. You shouldn't stress so much. But Ahab understood something that dignity was at stake. Besides, Samaria was the city that his father Omri had built. It was a family legacy. And I want you to know, brother and sister, 
When you need to fight, you need to ask yourself this question. What is at stake? Is my dignity at stake? Is my legacy at stake? What am I going to lose in this fight? And here Ahab resolved. He says, I have to fight because if I don't fight, I'm going to lose. It's better to go down swinging than to go down being stepped on. And so I want you to understand that when the fight matters, when the fight is important, that is when you need to get into the battle and fight. On May 23rd, on May 25th, 2020, uh, Nick Chauvin, Nicholas Chauvin, knelt on the knee of George Floyd and murdered him. And when people saw the video, they realized, no, this fight matters. The dignity of human beings are at stake and we can't let this go unchallenged. And so they filled the streets. They drowned the statues, these colonial statues. They understood that something bigger is at stake. And so brother and sister, before you get in a fight, you need to ask yourself this question. What is at stake? It may not be so important to fight for your reputation. It may not, it may not be so important to fight for what people think about how you dress. It may not be so important to fight to get into that group. It may not be so important to fight to stay in that relationship. It may not be so important to fight to be in this particular environment or to make a certain amount of money. Those things may not be so important. But when you realize that dignity and honor and legacy are at stake, that is when you need to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to fight and get involved in this situation. Let me tell you three things you need to fight for. You need to fight when you realize that the fight undermines or dehumanizes people. When you realize that those around you are being robbed of who they are. When you realize those around you are being robbed of their dignity to live. When you realize that people are being put down and being, um, uh, being, being destroyed and being, being hurt. That is when you need to be saying, you know what, it ain't funny. That's when you need to be able to say, you know what, I'm not going to be a part of this. This is when you need to be able to say, you know what, I can't allow you to go through this situation and, and put this person through this. They don't deserve that. Brother and sister, I feel that a lot of times we don't fight for other people. We allow people to be rummaged and to be pushed through and to allow them to be destroyed and to be murdered in their character. And we sit there, we do nothing. Ahab realized and he understood this People's humanity matters to me and I will not allow any king, no matter how strong he is, to take away the dignity and the humanity of my people. So brother and sister, you know a fight matters when humanity, dignity is at stake. Another way you can know that a fight matters is when your God is being undermined. You see what happened in verse number 10 when Ahab hears that uh, when Ben-Hadad hears that Ahab is not going to back down, this is what he says, may the gods do more to me if I will not pulverize Samaria. He's basically saying, you know what, I'm going to show Ahab that I have a bigger God than he has. Now let me pause right there. He's saying, I'm going to show Ahab that my God is bigger than his God. You see, when your faith is undermined, that is when you need to fight. That is when you need to say, you know what? I will not let anybody to stand in my way and, and my relationship with God. 
Sometimes it is okay to say, you know what, enough is enough. I will not take this anymore from you because my faith is that important. You see, Ben-Hadad didn't realize that the moment he said, may the gods do more to me, the battle changed. Uh, the, the, the sphere of the battle changed. What he did was he invited the God, the God of heaven to enter the fight. Let me break it down for you. He said, may the gods. And he's saying, my gods are bigger than your God. God says, what? Your gods are bigger than, my, than me? And that point, I need you to get, and, and get me clearly. You see, when somebody is fighting you for your faith, they are not fighting you alone. They are fighting God. You're not alone. When you say, you know what, I'm going to stand up for what I believe in. Yes, Sabbath is still important. Yes, uh, the resurrection of Jesus is still important. Yes, I believe in, in, in taking care of people. Yes, I believe in giving back. Yes, I, when you decide to stand up and somebody's challenging you in that way, they're not challenging you alone. They're challenging God himself. So the fight matters when humanity is at stake. The fight matters when your faith is being undermined. But... The fight matters also when you realize that you're being underestimated. Let me tell you what happens. When Ben-Hadad delivers the message that may the gods do more to me, this is what Ahab said. He says, you know what? Don't celebrate as if you have taken off your army coat. Don't celebrate as if you have won the battle. And when the message came back to uh, Ben-Hadad, the text says in verse number 12, Ben-Hadad was drinking. Now, there's got to be something wrong here. Ben-Hadad is at war with Ahab. But instead of taking Ahab seriously, Ben-Hadad decides to drink. In other words, he's saying, this brother <laughs> is no challenge for me. This brother cannot meet me on my on my level and sometimes it is like that that you are underestimated for your abilities you're underestimated for what you can do you're underestimated in your family nobody ever thinks they can give you responsibility you're underestimated at a work you're underestimated by your friends when you present a plan ah come on man you know what that, that's you can do that when you realize that somebody is underestimating you and your ability, that is when you need to say, you know what, I'm going to stand up for this and I'm not going to let somebody back down. That is when you know that a fight matters. Don't allow somebody to tell you you're too young. Don't allow somebody to tell you that you're too old. Don't allow somebody to tell you you're too crazy. You have to say, you know what, God has given me gifts. He has given me a mind. He has given me a body. He has given me strength. And I'm going to use that to do the thing that God has implanted in my heart. I believe that too many of us, we allow our dreams to be aborted. We allow our dreams to die because we allow others to underestimate us. And because they have underestimated us, we don't actually fight for the dreams. So when somebody's being dehumanized, and when God is being undermined, and when you're being underestimated, then you know that you have to fight. Brother and sister, you have to fight. Don't back down. And I love Ahab when he said, you know what? I'm not going to back down. I'm going uh, to fight. You see, something amazing happens in the text. Because when Ahab decided to fight, he resolved to fight a fight that mattered. God intervened. 
In verse number 13, the text says, and this is beautiful. I want you to see this in verse number 13. The text says, a prophet of God comes to Ahab and he says, have you seen all of this multitude? Have you seen all of these 32 kings? Have you seen them? I want you to understand that God is going to give them into your hand. And after he has given them into your hand, you're going to know that he is the Lord. You see here, uh, this, is, this is beautiful. God came to help Ahab, though he didn't pray for the help. I'll make it plain in a moment. Sometimes I go to the store, and there I'm at the store, and I'm looking for things. And you know, have you had the experience where you're in the mall, whether it is at H&M, whether it is at Carrefour, uh, any other place that you, you, you like to go to shop? The moment you enter in, the people attending to the store will come to you and they tell you, uh, sir, what are you looking for? And, and sometimes I really get annoyed by that because I'm like, look, I already know what I want. You know what I mean? So I'm going to go to it or just let me explore. Like, get off my back, man. Like, why you got to be breathing on my neck? Like, let, 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 me, let me shop. I'm not here to steal nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sometimes I walk around and I'm moving and I, I know what I want, but I can't find it. But because my pride in me will not be willing to ask for help because I've already come with a negative attitude towards those people, I'll be roaming around in the store trying to find what I need and not asking for help and I don't really find what I need and eventually I have to be humble enough and, 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 and write on, 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 a, on Google Translate and put it in, in, in from English to Bahasa and then, oh, the person says, yeah, I, I can take it there. I should have simply... At the very first, put it on Google Translate, go to the person attending the store, and then they'll show me the thing that I need, and I save time. But sometimes in my pride, I'm not willing to ask for help. And here Ahab doesn't ask for help, but God comes in anyway. Now you see, I love this because God understands us and he sees our situation. That sometimes even though we don't ask for help, we need his help. Sometimes we don't pray, but we need his answered prayer. Sometimes we don't know the text, but he knows we need the text. Sometimes God can see and he sees what is going on and he knows how we need him. And unfortunately, there are many of us do not know that we need God. We do not know that we need God as much as we need oxygen. We do not know that we need God as much as we need air. We do not know that we need God as much as we need H2O. We do not know that we need God as much as we need sleep as much as we need food as much as we need transportation God is that essential component in life and it's unfortunate that when we fight we don't actually ask him to get involved in the fight but I'm glad and I'm happy this morning that God fights anyway Amen. you see the beauty of this situation is that God should not have been helping Ahab because Ahab was Having a relationship with two gods. On one end, he's dating or, or in a relationship with the God of, 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 of the Israelites. And he's going to the temple and sacrificing and, and, and bringing lambs and these little animals. But on another end, he's going to temples that his wife Jezebel had put in place. And he's having sex with temple prostitutes. So he's having a relationship with two gods. But I love God because God, in spite of your sin, in spite of your mistakes, does not back away. God is like the MRT who will continue to come to the same spot every day and he continue to run and his doors open and he invites you to get in. If you don't get in, in the next couple of minutes, he's going to come back. If you don't get in, in the next hour, he's going to come back. If you don't get in, in the next uh, 20 minutes or Two hours he's going to come back. If you don't get in, he'll come back the next, the next day. If you don't get in, he'll come back 
three other days if you don't get in he'll come back next week and the next month God is like that he always persists and here he saw this is an opportunity for me to reach out to Ahab and show Ahab, Ahab, I love you. Ahab, I have a plan for you. Let me assist you in this battle so you can know what I'm about. <laughs> because when God has assisted you and when you can see his power in your life, then it, it allows you to say, you know what? God is so good. I may be a pain in his side, but he is by my side. Ooh-wee. I love that. So God intervenes because the fight mattered. This fight mattered because his reputation was at stake. And I love what the prophet said after this battle. You're going to know. You're going to know the Lord. You see, Ahab knew the Lord as much as we know Jokowi. He had an idea about God. But he didn't really know who God was. He didn't understand him as fully as he needed to. And I'm praying and I'm asking you that in this moment, it is time to pray, Lord, I need to know you. I just don't want to know you like I know Jokowi as a president of this country. Nothing else. I want to know you deeply. I want to know you clearly. I want to know you firmly. And I want to know you confidently. I want people to, when they ask me, do you know God? I should be able to say, yes, I know God. Tell me, how do you know God? Well, let me tell you, brother. I was down and out. I was counted out. Let me tell you, brother. I was fired. Let me tell you, brother. I lost everything. But the God that I served stood in for me. In fact, he stood in when I wasn't even going to church. In fact, he stood in when I wasn't even praying. But he showed me that my actions do not determine his reactions towards me. His actions are determined by an everlasting love. I don't know if I'm speaking to you at this moment. Brother and sister, your actions do not determine the reaction of God. It is his love. It is his grace. It is his mercy that acts on you and your behalf. It doesn't matter to me if you haven't prayed for a year. It doesn't matter to me if you haven't been coming to church. It doesn't matter to me if you have done a, a sin that you don't even want to talk about. It doesn't matter. But God loves you because you matter. So when the prophet tells Ahab, Ahab, God is going to fight for you and on your behalf. Ahab says, uh, King, uh, ask the prophet. He says, Mr. Prophet, explain to me uh, how the battle is going to be like. Um, who is God going to, to win this battle by? The prophet says, and before he answers him, let me, let me bring it back so you understand. The prophet said God is going to give this multitude into your hand. But you see, Ahab, when he's asking, but who will God give us this victory? Because Ahab doubted. <laughs> he doubted if God could use him. Do you get what I'm saying? And sometimes there are people I meet and I ask them, uh, can you please give a prayer? And they'll tell me, 
you know, you know Pastor, uh, I haven't prayed in a while, so I think it's better you ask somebody else. Uh, sometimes some people will say, you know, Pastor, I'm still working on my relationship with God. I've not grown yet, so I'm not ready to serve. Because they are doubting their relationship with God. Not necessarily doubting their relationship with God. They are doubting the call of God for their life. And here Ahab is doubting the call of God for his life. Because he doubted because things were not good with God. So and then the prophet says, okay, Ahab is doubting the call. So let me tell him who God is going to win the fight by. This is what the prophet said. By the servants of the governors of the districts. And then Ahab asked another question. He says, uh, so uh, who is actually going to be first in battle? I mean, to go out. You know what I mean? I mean, I mean not, not me, right? I mean, it's going to be these guys. I mean, who is going to go out? And, and here is what, <laughs> this is what the prophet says. You are going to go out. You are the one who has to lead the charge. I might not give you victory by your hands. I will give you victory by your other uh, servants, the servants of the governors. But you must go out. My brother and sister, hear me carefully. God might intervene in the fight of your life, but you need to convene in that fight. Let me make it plain. You see, God is the car. He, God is the driver in the car of your life. What that means is that God is the one who drives the car of your life with the gasoline of your motivation. God is the one who directs your life and he makes turns in your life, but he's using your resources. And so when it is time to fight, you can't simply say, God, you fight and I'm going to watch. Uh-uh. God is the one who says, you know what? You and me got to get involved in this fight. God is interested in using your hands. God is interested in using your feet. God is interested in using your brain. He's interested in using your eyes. He's interested in using your mouth. He's interested in using your ears and your nose. You have to get invested and involved. You just can't allow God to, to do everything because God doesn't do everything. He puts us in the fight. And too many of us, we are praying. Lord, give me a job, but you never look for a job. How are you going to get a job? Lord, I, I want you to make me healthy. I want you to do this for me. You never go out and run. And ex you never go out and exercise. You never do anything. How do you expect God to do anything for your life? You see, when you pray, you have to live your prayers. And so here the prophet helps Ahab to understand. Ahab, you can't sit in the city and sit in your palace. You got to go out in the valley and fight these Syrians if you want to win the fight. And so Ahab understood. And what he did, he mustered up 7,232 soldiers. When you compare 7,000 232 soldiers, 232 kings is as if the UN is trying to fight against Indonesia. It was, uh, the, the scales were uneven. And the text says, some of these, verse number 19, as we read, some of these went out of the city. The servants of the governors. Uh, listen to the text. And the army that followed them, it is this little army in this, facing this giant of, 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 of a coalition, 32 kings. But they go out of the city because they have a confidence that has been blessed by God. You need to understand, a minority with God is a majority. <laughs> when you are alone, but your God is with you, you have everything. And so these soldiers went out. Verse number 20 says, and each man... Each one of those 7,232 soldiers 
struck their man. That means that these soldiers killed 7,232 Syrian soldiers. And the text says the Syrians fled. They tucked their tails and started to run. And the text says this, the Israelites pursued them. You see, when God is with you, you will do amazing things. When God gets involved in the fight, you'll do amazing things. I don't read in the text that uh, any Israelite soldier died. All I read is that Syrian soldiers died. Brother and sister, that's how good God is. That's how powerful God is. I want you to understand when he gives you victory, he does it in a way that you don't lose. He does it in a way that you come out on top. He does it in a way that is fabulous and amazing. He does it in a way that will make you say, you know what? Hey, God, you are too good. And God, you are too awesome. And I love this. That after uh, this fight is going on, Ahab made sure that he put his name on the fight. You got to get involved in the fight. And the text says he went out and he struck the horses and the chariots. And struck the Syrians with a great blow. Do you want to strike your enemies with a great, great blow? You need God. You want to strike your, your, your health problems with a great blow? <laughs> you need God. You, you want to strike your marital problems with a great blow? You need God. I, am I speaking to you? If you want to do the amazing thing, you need God. Because when you have God by your side, when you have God with you, there is nothing that's going to be impossible for you. And in this season of COVID-19, in this season where we are struggling, in this season where things are not going good, I'm telling you, I'm pleading with you, enroll in the fight club of God. Be a, a, a member in his fight club. You enter this fight club by faith. You have to believe what the prophet is telling you. You have to believe that, look, when God says, I'm going to have victory, I'm going to have victory. When God tells you that your sins are forgiven, believe that your sins are forgiven. When God tells you that I'm going to do something new in your life, believe that he has, he's going to do something new in your life. You do not live by sight. You live by faith. And I, I love what Ahab does. He wasn't a man of God. He was far from God. But he took what the prophet said. And he lived by what the prophet said. Brother and sister, the prophetic word is, is what you need to hear. And when you hear that word, it gives you faith enough to believe that you can make a mountain drown in the sea. So Ahab won the fight. Because he had faith in the word. Ahab won the fight because God intervened in the fight. And after the fight, Ahab has been fighting all, all day long. And it's, it's been a challenge. It's been a struggle. But he's been killing Syrian soldiers. He struck them with a great blow. The prophet comes back to Ahab in verse number 22. And he tells Ahab, Ahab. Come, strengthen yourself. I, I know it's been tough out there. You, you have fought well. Praise God. You, you have done well. This is fantastic. Uh, what I see out here is good. But come and strengthen yourself. You know, when you have fought 
A fight? You, you are tired, you're weak. And so the prophet is saying, let's come and strengthen yourself. Let, let's get you stronger again. And then he says these words that I find to be revolutionary and that I want to throw at you. He says to him, consider well what you have to do. For in the spring, the king of Syria will come up against you again. He's telling him, listen, Ahab, you have won a fight, but the battle is not over. Just because you have gotten the victory, it doesn't mean you need to relax. Because the truth of the matter is there's another fight coming. Just because you got healthy today, it does not mean that you will not meet another health challenge in the future. Just because you got that promotion and, and, and you fought for that promotion, it doesn't mean that you're going to not meet another challenge at that top level. Do you get what I'm saying? The truth of the matter is when you have fixed something in your life, when you have fought something in your life, when you have uh, defeated something in your life, there is another fight to fight. I told you at the very beginning that we are born to fight. We, we have been kind of like enrolled in this fight. And so when you have won a victory, do not celebrate. Do not think that you have achieved and overcome. And then, you know, you start posting on Facebook. I did this. I did that. My brother, there's another fight to fight. There's another battle to win. There's another victory that you need to put on your, on your belt. And too many of us, we like to sit on our successes. We like to wallow and meddle in them and, and feel good about them. And, and because we are so stuck on our successes, then we do not know how to be victorious again. I believe that the most critical moment, the most critical moment is not when you're fighting. Because when you're fighting, you are alert. You are, you are engaged in the battle. But when you are not fighting and you are chillaxing, then you're not as alert and you're more prone to face danger. And this is what the prophet is telling, is telling Ahab, Ahab, <laughs> be careful, be careful. So the king of Syria is nursing his battle wounds. He's back in his palace. He's nursing his battle wounds and he says, man, I took 32 soldiers to fight. A coalition of 32 kings to fight. And I was defeated by 7,232 soldiers. Like, 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 like how, how is that possible? Like, like, come on, man. And he's thinking to himself. He, you know, sometimes you, you wonder, like, you plan everything properly, right? You, 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 you said, okay, at, at 1 o'clock this is going to happen. Two o'clock, this is going to happen. Three o'clock, this is going to happen. But none of that happened the way you planned it. And you're like, man, what happened? What went wrong? And here, the, the, the prophet, the, the, the king of Syria, Ben-Hadad, is also having this problem and trying to figure out what, what happened. What went wrong? You know what I mean? We, we, we're the best team. <laughs> but we lost. You know what I mean? What, what happened? So the servants of the king of Assyria, they, they, they came to, to the king and they gave him a post-mortem analysis of his defeat. Said, uh, you, you know, king, according to our analysis, I mean, the way we see it, is that their gods are the gods of the hills. That is why they were stronger than us, king. I mean, if you think about it, we have never trained in a hilly place. In fact, our chariots and horses couldn't go up that, those mountains. So I, I think that their God was really protecting that mountain. You know, they, they, I, I, and, and I love this because 
they recognize that God is a God of the mountains. And, and I want to tell you that God is a God of the mountains. Hallelujah, somebody. God is a God of the mountains. And I know that some of you are facing mountains in your life. <laughs> you're facing challenges in your life. You seem you're trying to hike up the mountain of uh, that promotion. You're trying to hike up the mountain of that family problem. And you're trying to hike up the mountain of a financial difficulty. You're trying to hike up the mountain of a health crisis in your life. But you are, you're facing challenges. You, you're not prepared for it. And, and there are difficulties and there are challenges. But I want you to know that God is God of the mountains. He created mountains. And that means that he knows how to deal with mountains in your life. And if you can only trust him with the mountains in your life, you're going to think you're going to see things happen and change because the thing I have learned about mountains is that they are flat places and they are steep places and they are all kind of places and sometimes when you're hiking on a mountain you have to crawl sometimes when you're hiking on a mountain you have to slow down I remember one day I was with some friends we were hiking down a mountain and a friend of mine she couldn't carry her own uh, a backpack and and she was slowing us down and so I decided to say you know what I'm going to carry my own pack on my back and I'm going to carry her pack in my, in, my, in my front but every step that I took is as if my knees were going to disjoint but I praise the Lord that the Lord allowed me to get to the foothill of the mountain and, and we got down and, and we, we succeeded in that victory because we kept going and we kept moving. I want you to understand that if you're on the mountain right now, whether you're going up, whether you're going down, God is a God of the mountain and God is going to help you figure this out. <laughs> but these guys were not saying God is a God of the mountains because they wanted to praise God. They were saying God is a God of the mountains because they wanted to undermine him. Mm -hmm. They're like... King, their victory is because of this God of the mountains. You know, he is limited to this situation. You know, so, so some people think our God is only limited in church. Sometimes they think our God is only limited in the home, right? God can't fight in other places. And so they are putting God down. But you know what? They have good reason to think that God is a God of the mountains because the temple in Jerusalem situated on a mountain. And if anything we know about God is that he revealed to the Israelites himself on the mountain. It was on the mountain of Carmel where Elijah faced the, uh, the 400 prophets of Baal. It is on the mountain where Jesus went up uh, to preach. And, and so yes, God resides in the mountain. And they had good reason to think that God is a God of mountains. But they were putting him down. And so they tell the king, king, you know, we think that um, we need to change the strategy. You know, on the mountain, that is God's fight club. We need to fight God in our club. So let us fight them in the plain. And king, for real, we, we want to be 100% with you on this. You need to understand how we feel about this. We believe that we're going to win. Because he can't fight in, 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 in the valley. You see, I need to understand that sometimes when you have gotten a great victory, when you have won a fight, others are not going to assent to your success. Others are going to find reasons to say, you know what, oh, she got the promotion. She's, she, she's, you know, the boss likes her really good. She got the grade because, well, the teacher, she's the teacher's favorite. You know what I mean? Oh, you know, mommy and daddy always favor him. You know, you know how it is. They will not consider your victory based upon your merit and your effort. You get what I'm saying? And so here these, these Syrians are putting the victory of Ahab and the Israelites and God on something that makes it look as if it was not a great victory at all. They're saying, 
to the king, it was a fluke. It, it just, it's just good luck. So let's fight them in our own level. And so they chose the fight club in the valley of Aphek. And so the, the, the text says that the Israelites left Samaria and they went to the valley of Aphek. Aphek means, means tunnel. But it was in a plain. And I hope you will get the iron in a moment. So they went to the valley of Aphek. They left Samaria to the valley of Aphek. And there... They get there and they, oh man, this really just got my mind. It says, Israel was compared to a flock of goats. They were compared to a flock of goats. Like a two, two little flocks. And when they get there, they see the whole valley is filled with Syrian soldiers. Filled with Syrian soldiers. And this time, Ben-Hadad decided not to drink. He decided, you know what, I ain't going to take these guys lightly. I'm going to be involved and engaged in this battle. And he wasn't drunk, and so he was there. But when he looked at the Israelites, like two flocks of immature, sickly goats, he says, ah, for real, for real, today we, we can't lose. There's no way today that we can lose. And then the prophet of God comes back again to Ahab, and he says to Ahab, because the Syrians have said that God is a God of the hills and not the God of the plain. Today I'm going to show you again that I'm going to give them into your hand. In other words, you're going to have victory again. You see, sometimes God will have to fight again to have victory again so that he can convince your enemies that he is a, a God who can win a fight. And so, brother and sister, people may not believe in you. They might, believe, they might not believe in what you can do. They might not believe in your abilities. That's fine. But allow God to come back and say, you know what? We're going to prove it again. We're going to show that that, that a presentation was not a fluke. We're going to show that that promotion wasn't a fluke. We're going to show that that profit for working hard at the end of the month was not a fluke. We're going to show that the thing that they're doing by achieving that great success is not a fluke but it is something that has been blessed by faith and so God says I want to show the Syrians again who, I'm, who I am I want to show them that I'm not a God who is limited only to the mountains but I'm also a God who functions in the plain I want you to know that God is a God of the valley he's a God of the, mount, of, of the mountain he's a God of the valley God is a God of the high place he's a God of the low place God is a God in, in your depression God is your is a God in your moment of joy any situation any space you find yourself in God can fight there because God is that equipped God is that ambidextrous God is that versatile to be able to fight brother and sister you're going into the office you don't know how it's going to go I want you to know how it's going to go if God is with you you're going to succeed <laughs> I want you to know that when you're about to have that conversation is difficult you don't know what to say I want you to know that if God is with you you're going to succeed you don't know if the, the, the bank is going to give you the loan but God is with you you're going to succeed you don't know how you're going to manage in this new normal you don't know how you need to utilize the regulations of, 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 of the government and how we're going to do this new situation but if God is with you you're going to succeed I am here to tell you that God can fight anywhere he can fight in any place he can fight anyhow because God is is that good? And the text says, Ahab and his army, 
they killed 100,000 Syrian soldiers. 100,000 Syrian soldiers. Now, they didn't have bombs and, and helicopters dropping nukes on them. They had spears. You know what I'm saying? They had spears. But they killed 100,000 people in one day. Now, to, to be honest with you, 100,000 people, that's a lot. But they killed him in one day. And the text is trying to help us to understand that, look, this was not their own doing. It was the victory of God. This was not their own doing. It was because God fought on their behalf. And when God fights on your behalf, you can slay any giant. When God fights on your behalf, you can do whatever. And finally, Ben-Hadad learned that, hey, man, God is not only God of the mountains or the hills. He's a God of the plain as well. And I can tell you that God is a God of the sea. God is a God of the sky. God is a God of the, of the apartment. God is a God of, <laughs> he's a God of the mind. Because he's that versatile. He, he's, he's that good. And, and, and in this season, in this first episode of Fight Club, I'm simply here to declare to you that God can fight anywhere. Anywhere. <laughs> and the song says, with Jesus. Anywhere I can safely go. Anywhere with Jesus. I'm going to be all right. And I want you to understand that this morning that God is with you. And he's going to fight with you. But this story. It ends on a very sad note. Because Ahab. Decides to make a treaty. With Ben-Hadad. And he calls Ben-Hadad. A brother. He says this is my brother. And he makes a treaty. Because Ahab was more concerned about a political alliance. Than an alliance with God. So he made this treaty. Very sad to say the least. Because it is Ben-Hadad who dictated the terms. He said you know Ahab. You can now open stores in Damascus. Like, like you don't have to worry about opening stores in Samaria for me. Like that's cool. But you can open stores in Damascus. Right? And Ahab accepted. What he didn't realize was he lost a lot more than he gained. Watch this. A prophet of God is slapped on the face. And after being slapped on the face, he goes and he disguises himself on the road from Aphek, the tunnel, to Samaria. And there, as Ahab is coming back, a man of victory, celebrating what God has done for him, through him, by him. The prophet screams to Ahab, Ahab, king, I need your word on something. And, 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 and the king said, what is it? Tell me what is it? And the prophet says, one of your soldiers asked me to guard a prisoner of war from Syria and he told me that if I let the, the, the prisoner go, I'm going to pay for it with my life. So king, can you tell me what should happen in this situation? Ahab says, well, you know what this, my soldier told, told you. So you're going to pay for it with your life. And there the prophet says to Ahab, Ahab, because you let Ben-Hadad go, because you made an alliance with him, you're going to pay for it with your life. And God wanted Ahab to understand, I might fight anywhere, but you cannot act anyhow. 
And I need to understand, brother and sister, just because God has given you a promotion, God has given you a victory in your life, it doesn't give you access. It doesn't give you credence. It doesn't give you pretext to do whatever you want. You still need to be able to live your life in accordance with his will. And so this morning I'm here to tell you that yes, God fights anywhere, but you don't have the right to act anyhow. And you need to look at your life. God, you're blessing me. God, you're looking out for me. God, you're taking care of me. But is my life in accordance with your will? Am I doing the things that you want me to do? Because Lord, I believe and I trust that you're going to take care of me. I believe that you're going to see me through. Too many of us, we put too much confidence in our savings. We put too much confidence in our uh, relationships and our connections because we believe that those things are going to take care of us. But Ahab didn't need an alliance with Ben-Hadad. He had God by his side. All he needed to do, you know what? I'm going to kill this sucker. I'm going to let him go and I'm going to trust God to take care of me. I'm not going to worry about the Assyrians coming to fight me. I'm going to trust him enough and therefore I'm going to act in accordance with his will because when we have defeated an enemy on the battlefield they don't deserve to live. They need to die because that's what God wants and so brother and sister by doing what God wants you are saying I believe in God's fighting power. I believe that he's going to take me somewhere anywhere that I need to go and if I trust him enough, if I follow him enough I'm going to be alright. If we are to learn something in this fight club moment is that we need to trust God enough and so I'm here to tell you that I want to trust God because I believe God can fight for me anywhere I don't need an alliance with a person. I don't need to look out for myself. God has my back. I don't need to try to work so hard to be this and that person. I just need to be me. I don't need to please people. I don't need to try to do this and that. I just need to do what God has put in my heart and try to follow him and, and do his will. And you and myself can do the same today because we are saying we will trust God enough because he's going to fight for us. He's going to break down those doors. He's going to give us those, those promotions that we need. He's going to give us the, the, the things that we're praying for him if we trust him enough and just follow his will so i'm here to say i want to trust god because he fights for me anywhere and i want to act according to his will would you like to stand with me this morning would you like to stand with me you don't need to stand i know you're at home but please stand with me in faith as we pray because god fights for us anywhere and we can trust him we can trust him he's going to take care of the situation let us pray heavenly father i thank you and i praise you you're good you're awesome Father, you can fight anywhere. You're a God of the hills. You're a God of the valleys. And Father, we are declaring today that we want to trust you to fight our battles anywhere, in any place. Father, take care of us. Father, bless us. And Father, strengthen us. Teach us, Lord, what it means to trust you. Teach us, Lord, what it means to be true to you. And Father, we pray that you'd help us out. In the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. God bless you. Amen.